This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Good morning. It's Wednesday, February the 15th, 2023. Welcome to Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. I'm Dave Brown. Let's hit the horns and go. Coming up on the show today, journalist Arno Kopecki discusses a few environmental issues in Alberta and BC, including the Just Transition Act. Plus, community reporter Amy Amantia will reflect on her visit to the Canadian Museum of Human Rights in Winnipeg. You'll also catch up with Shani Saravanamuthu, Jenny Bovard, Megan Gilmore. Lots coming your way over the course of the next couple of hours. But let's begin with the top story of the day, beginning in the world of economics. Members of Parliament have summoned grocery store CEOs to testify about food price inflation. A House of Commons committee has been studying rising grocery bills since the fall. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh says there are significant questions to ask executives. I think it's a major problem that the CEOs themselves, those that that are the decision makers for those companies, haven't shown up. And that's why we put forward a motion to say those at the tops of these companies, those CEOs that are making massive bonuses, that are making bonuses because they're, they're creating massive profits for these companies, they should be able to answer questions. Why are the grocery prices so high? Stats Canada says grocery store prices rose nearly 10% last year, the fastest pace since 1981. The Retail Council of Canada advocates for grocers. They want the committee to call food suppliers to testify. Speaking of cost of living and inflation, the U.S. federal government reports consumer prices rose by an annual rate of 6.4% in January. Jennifer King crunches some numbers. The pace of inflation eased in January, according to the Labor Department's latest figures. Consumer prices rose 6.4% from a year ago. That's down from 6.5% in December, but slightly higher than what economists were expecting. On a monthly basis, prices rose half a percent. While many analysts expect inflation to fall to roughly 4% later this year, it could plateau under inflationary pressures. The Fed's eight rate hikes since March have had no discernible effect on America's exceptionally strong job market. Jennifer King, Washington. And coming back to Canada for some health care news, the federal government met with representatives in British Columbia yesterday to discuss the new health funding deal. BC Premier David Eby says there are still specifics to sort out. The piece that requires agreement is the bilateral piece. So for British Columbia, it's about um, $600 million this year. It's uh, about $330 million next year. Uh, and it, it kind of varies between three and $500 million over the next five years where we're going to allocate those resources and, uh, and commitments around providing uh, data and sharing data with the federal government and working together on areas of shared priorities. Over to Nova Scotia, the number of people in need of a family doctor or nurse practitioner hit a new peak this month. As of February the 1st, there are more than 133,000 Nova Scotians in need of primary care. At the same time last year, there were 86,000 people on the list. Health Minister Michelle Thompson says the growing list is due in part to the 27,000 people who signed up for primary care registry in the last year because they are new to the province. Over to the Prime Minister's schedule. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is headed down to the Bahamas for a meeting with Caribbean leaders. Karen Rebo has this primer. The Nassau meeting of 20 Caribbean lawmakers marks the group's 50th anniversary. They're gathering to discuss regional issues, including a deepening political, security and humanitarian crisis in Haiti, where violent gangs are jockeying for territory in the capital. International watchdogs report rampant sexual assault, kidnappings and a worsening health emergency. Haiti's unelected Prime Minister Ariel Henry has asked for a foreign military intervention and the U.S. has suggested that Canada lead one. But our government has instead been levying economic sanctions against elites accused of supporting gang activity. Karen Rebo, the Canadian Press. And staying in the world of international politics, the United Nations humanitarian aid and refugee agencies are seeking $5.6 billion to help millions of Ukrainians displaced by the war. Charles de Ledesma takes a closer look. 
The bulk of the joint appeal from the Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs and Refugee Agency UNHCR goes to OHCA's Humanitarian Response Plan, or $3.9 billion, which aims to help more than 11 million people by funneling funds through more than 650 partner organisations. The appeal, one of the largest of its kind for a single country after those for Yemen and Afghanistan, for example, could draw a huge outpouring of funds from Western countries as a similar appeal did since the war began. I'm Charles Tiladesma. That's your look at the news. Let's get to the daily polls. At Accessible Media is where you find the show on Twitter. At Accessible Media Inc. is where you vote on Facebook. Looks like there was a copy-paste error in the results for yesterday's daily poll, but the broad strokes of the question is how likely is it that aliens were involved in the flying objects that have been shot down over North America over the course of the last couple of weeks? 5% of you said very, 3% of you said somewhat, 26% of you said minimally, and 66% of you said not at all. So only about 8% of you are feeling very conspiratorial, and uh, 66% of you, two-thirds, saying let's, let's not engage in this kind of conversation. Fair enough. We will cease. The daily poll for today at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook is something that Mark Aflalo brought up in his Monday segment, and that is the uh, changing policies at Netflix in regards to password sharing. And of course, prices continue to go up for a lot of these streaming services as well. So the daily poll is asking you with prices going up and policies changing, will you cancel some of your subscriptions for streaming services? Yes, no or I already have. I logged into Netflix last night to take a very close look at what was available to me as I was looking to watch something while I was working out. And it's funny, there's a lot of good stuff in there. I will not question that. A lot of shows and movies that I enjoy, but a lot of them are things that I've seen a million times before. I've ended, I ended up clicking on Goodfellas, a movie that I've seen about 25 times and one that I own on DVD. It really got me wondering how necessary is it that I keep this streaming service and pay $20 a month for? I'm beginning to consider a new strategy, which is potentially a rotating system on streaming services, saying open an account, use it for three or four months, cancel the account, open something else, watch what I want, and then keep moving on and just keep creating the rotation moving forward because, uh, I don't know, unless there's a lot of new stuff out there, a lot of fresh content, what am I really doing here? Why am I just uh, arbitrarily and and absentmindedly handing over $20 a month to uh, Netflix? Alex Smith, what about you? What are you doing in terms of a strategy here with change in prices and policies? Yeah, I think that's a good idea, Dave, to have that kind of rotating schedule of services because right now I have I have Crave, I got Prime, I got Netflix and Disney Plus. I got a lot of them. And I'm kind of like you. you. You open up one and be like, it's not really a lot I want to watch right now that I haven't seen. Okay, let's go to the next one. Mm, nothing quite here that I'm feeling. Okay, to the next one and to the next one. And you kind of like cycle through. And I think what it comes down to, you really have to kind of look and see where is the best value coming from? Where are you most likely to consume the content? Is there one or two that maybe you're not going to miss all that much if you got rid of it? And so I think that's going to be something I'm going to look at next little while. I just put the hold on for DAZN. I, I, I always follow that for football season, and then that goes on on pause until football season starts up again. I don't really use it to follow any other sports that they have there. I did once upon a time when they had hockey and football together, but that's no longer the case. So I put that one already on 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 hold, and I like that you can pause the subscription. That's a nice uh, benefit to have because otherwise you're like, oh, I got to cancel it. Then I got to create a new account every single time. This one is like, oh, I can just pause it and I can set the date. It's like, oh, I want to unpause it come J uh, July 31st, 2023. Okay. I can do that. So, um, yeah, but when it comes to these other streaming services, probably at this point, I'm going to look towards Disney Plus and see how much I'm actually using it, accessing it, and enjoying it. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, we'll see. There's there's usually comes in waves where there's a new show or new movie or new series that's like, oh, I really want to check this out. I yeah. really want to watch this. So, like well, right now for me, it's well, Alex, great Alex, with... the, Alex, the new first question anytime someone recommends anything now is, "Hey, where do I get that? Where do I find yeah. that?" Yeah.
it's never on TV. It's always on which streaming service is it on? Because that's really where everyone is going. It's become the new cable. So right now for me, it's it's Crave with The Last of Us. That's the one that I'm gravitating towards all the time. There's a few shows that are constantly on rotation on Crave. So that one I'm definitely going to keep. Prime does a lot of great stuff that I really enjoy. So that one's probably, it's Netflix and Disney Plus. You yeah. know, I, for, for I've been less satisfied with Alex, them. Alex, not, not, to, not to like sort of pinpoint here. In theory, uh, Lo The Last of Us is available on cable. It is available on TV mm -hmm. if you have the HBO package. I just want to make sure we have that clarification very clear. And it's funny, last night I was thinking to myself, I should have just flipped on the cable box because what I was looking for was something just passive. I would have been yeah. so happy just to have had a couple of FXX episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia playing while I was working out, and I would have been just as content as watching Goodfellas for the millionth time. Yeah. Now, but would you watch the TV edit of Goodfellas, Dave? Because we all no. know that's a completely no. different. Issue. I would not. I would not flipping watch the uh, episode, the uh, TV cut of uh, of Goodfellas. That would not happen. Yeah. Uh, at Accessible Media on Twitter, at Accessible Media Inc on Facebook, with prices going up and policies changing, will you cancel some of your subscription services in the world of streaming? At Accessible Media Inc on Facebook, at Accessible Media on Twitter, feedback at ami.ca is the email address. Feedback at ami.ca or 1-866-509-4545 is the phone number 1-866-509-4545. Alex Smythe is going to tell you whether or not it's a stay inside and watching stream streaming services kind of day in your neck of the woods. Here's your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. And Dave, I did catch the weather or not, so good on you. We're starting off in St. John's, Newfoundland where there's snow and blowing snow this morning. And then it's gonna be clearing up in the afternoon. There is five centimeters set to fall today. There's also very strong winds, up to gusts up to 110 kilometers per hour along the coastline. The high is minus one, it's feeling like minus 10, and there is a winter storm warning in effect. To Halifax, Nova Scotia, it's sunny with increasing cloudiness as the day goes on. The high is four degrees, but it's very cool with the wind chill, feeling like minus 17. To Montreal, Quebec, it is cloudy with rain starting near noon. The high is four degrees. To Ottawa, Ontario, it's cloudy with rain expected as well. It's slightly warmer, the high is nine degrees in Ottawa. Now to Toronto, Ontario. It is cloudy with possible rain this morning and early afternoon, but then it's becoming a mix of sun and clouds. There's also wind gusts up to 70 kilometers per hour. But get this, the high for today is 15 degrees. It is practically unheard of, especially in February. Over to Thunder Bay, Ontario. Snow off and on today, up to five centimeters expected. Wind gusts up to 60 kilometers per hour. The high is minus nine, feeling like minus 19 with that wind chill. There's also a weather advisory in place due to the snow and strong winds. The Winnipeg, Manitoba, it is sunny with clouds rolling in this afternoon. There's also blowing snow in the morning because there are wind gusts up to 60 kilometers per hour. The high is minus 15, feeling like minus 35. Up over to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, where it's mainly cloudy and there is a chance for light snow today. The high is minus 11, feeling like minus 20. The Calgary, Alberta, it's quite a lovely day. It's mainly sunny, the high is zero degrees, but with that wind chill makes it feel like minus 15. Over to Edmonton, Alberta, it's mainly cloudy with a chance of snow this morning, but it is clearing up in the afternoon. The high is minus six with the wind chill, feels like minus 14. Up to Yellowknife Northwest Territories, it's sunshine, but extremely cold. The high is minus 29, and with that wind chill, it makes it feel like minus 44. To Vancouver, BC, it's a mix of sun and clouds and a high of six degrees today. And finally in Victoria, BC, it's the exact same. It's a mix of sun and clouds and a high of six degrees as well. That's your AMI National Weather Report from Environment Canada. Thank you very much, Alex. Coming up next, here's a question. Should Super Bowl Monday be a statutory holiday? Jenny Bovard and Megan Gilmore will share some broader thoughts on some of the days they'd like to see as stat holidays. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv.
Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. If you watched the show on Monday or listened to the podcast, you for sure heard that I was a few straws short of a push broom. The Super Bowl took a toll on my sleep, but I soldiered on because I care about you. For years, I've been advocating that Super Bowl Monday should be a statutory holiday, especially because there are a bunch of provincial holidays the week after the Super Bowl. It would be so easy. But here I sit, thwarted. What else could be a stat holiday? Jenny Bovard and Megan Gilmore have a perspective to share. Hey, good morning, Jenny. Hey, good morning. And hello, Megan. Good morning, everyone. All right, first question. Let's get right down to brass tacks. Jenny, should Super Bowl Monday be a stat holiday? I'm here to shamelessly say that I will take any paid day off that is offered to me, whether it's for an event I care little to nothing about, such as the Super Bowl or Victoria Day, uh, to maybe <laughs> share an unpopular opinion. Um, but Dave, you should just book the day off. I mean, you're allotted a certain number of vacation days, and 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 you should you should just plan that one ahead. If if I'm if I'm going to be frank yeah, here, and yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think no is my short I've, answer. I've I've done that in the past, but Alex Smythe beat me to the booking system this year to get a day off. So uh, so only one of us could get that day off, and Alex trumped me. Uh, Megan, you're the one who sent me an article where people in the U.S. have been advocating for this alongside me mm -hmm. for a few years. What do you think? Should Super Bowl Monday be a stat holiday? Okay. I have a few thoughts on this. Um, I think if you're going to do it, you might think like, I can see the argument more for just move family day up to the day that is typically Super Bowl Monday. Mm -hmm. um, like instead of saying work, like especially in Canada. So like newsflash, everybody, the Super Bowl is an American sporting no, event. No, no, so, no, the NFL um, is international, Megan. So, so for Canada, like I think it would it'd be kind of weird if we were like, hey, like let's make us like our governments declare something a Super Bowl holiday. So if you just move family day up to that day, I think that would make sense. Uh, personally, I'm with Jenny. If you want Super Bowl Monday off, by all means, you are allowed to book that off ahead of time. Or if you are an employer and let's say you have a really small company and you know that like half your team is going to be watching the Super Bowl, I would just say give everybody the day off. Okay, all right, I like that. A little bit of an internal policy, not too bad. There's also the oh, yeah. idea of also just do the Super Bowl on a Saturday. They already take a week off between the games, so they yeah. wouldn't affect any rest, and you can have a big party on Saturday night, and that'd be a whole bunch of fun. Uh, Megan, staying with you here, you are mm -hmm. a freelance journalist by trade, so what's your relationship with Stat Holidays? Yeah, I'm not even sure what days are considered holidays, if it's not like Christmas or Easter. What, is this a holiday? Um, so I actually really enjoy holiday Mondays because those can be a great day if I choose to, to catch up on admin parts of my job mm. because I know that people that I may want to interview aren't going to be around. Although sometimes people do ask to be interviewed on like Labor Day and I'm like, really? Um, but yeah, so because they're not going to be around then I can do all the boring admin things that I typically don't want to do or don't have time to do throughout the rest of the week. So <laughs> I really have no idea what days are stat holidays anymore. <laughs> uh, Jenny, I live with some empathy of Megan. Although I've been an employee for a number of years, I have worked on a ton of stat holidays, whether in my broadcasting career or when I used to work at a video store in 2002 and 2003. I actually worked at a video store on Christmas Day and New Year's Day uh, 2002 and 2003. So I know what it's like to work on a stat holiday. In fact, Christmas Day at the video store was one of the busiest days I ever had at the video store because people were beyond happy to get away from their families. Uh, Jenny, have you ever worked on a stat holiday? I have to say that's an important service you were providing there, I know, Dave. I know. In, in in that time in history, might I add. But I certainly have worked a lot of stat holidays in my customer service career, most recently with CNIB, Vision Loss Rehab, and CELA. You may or may not know that Quebec has a lot of days that throughout the year that are stat holidays mm -hmm. that are not stat holidays throughout the rest of the country. January, and vice versa. January 2nd, June 24th. Yeah, but on days that um, Quebec was not observing a holiday that the rest of the country was, I would opt to work because I'll take that double time, time and a half, whatever it is. And uh, and like you, be there to provide an important service so we can stay open. Okay, 
Jenny, you made mention that there's some that maybe you don't care about, but you really like the day. What is your favorite stat holiday? Well, coming back to Victoria Day, that's actually my favorite uh, stat holiday because that May long weekend, I'm sorry, I'm going to talk about running. I have to apologize in advance. But that <laughs> is the long weekend when we have the Blue Nose Marathon uh, road race events here in Halifax. And that's the event that got me into running. So it's got a really close uh, place in my heart, really a special weekend for me every year. So I get to participate. Yeah, although summer doesn't start till June 21st, really Victoria Day weekend, or Journée de Patriote as it's known in Quebec, uh, is, is sort of the unofficial start of summer. There's something really lovely about that stat holiday weekend. Megan, again, I know this goes against the question that I asked you before, where as a freelancer, you don't typically get what is known as a stat holiday, but is there one of these holiday weekends or holiday weeks that you particularly enjoy? Right. Um... Okay, to be honest, there's not one that I don't enjoy. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, May long weekend for all the things you were saying. Um, uh, also, there can also be a lot of good baseball May yep. long weekend. Yep. Yeah. Perfect time. Um, Thanksgiving, which sometimes coincides with the playoffs for baseball, which often break my heart. See. <laughs> this past Thanksgiving. Um, and, but no, I, I really do love Thanksgiving. It's fall. It's around my birthday. It's around my niece's birthday, my nephew's birthday. Like, it's it's great times. Um, and then Easter. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to come back to Easter in a moment, actually, mm -hmm. when, I mm -hmm. make, when I make us all the uh, czar of stat holidays. But yep. I want to give Labor Day a shout-out in the same way that uh, Victoria Day weekend tends to make uh, a beginning uh, start of the summer vibe. Labor Day has a nice wrapping up the summer vibe to it, but what I really enjoy, and this is where I, you will accuse me of being a, a football fan simp, uh, it's the start of the college football season. So Labor Labor Saturday is a day when I will make uh, mac and cheese and chili and get a whole mess of beers in the fridge and uh, very much enjoy my Labor Day Saturday and not enjoy my Labor Day Sunday uh, very much as a result of my Saturday decisions. So I want to give a little bit of love to uh, Labor Day in here. Okay. I mentioned that I want to give you the opportunities to be the czar of stat holidays. And one of the things that was discussed when, Meg, when uh, Michelle and Joita were talking about stat holidays a few weeks ago on the show is that there should be more stat holidays. We don't have enough in Canada. We'd probably need to add at least two or three more to the calendar to really give people a little bit more stat holiday love. So, Jenny, I'm making you the czar of stat holidays. What stat holidays would you add to the calendar? I have always wanted to be a czar. And, okay, so while May the 4th is my birthday and it's Star Wars Day, and I would wager that there are as many, if not more, people who enjoy Star Wars at a level that I do, same number of people, if not more, than watch the Super Bowl. So just going to put that out there. But <laughs> May the 4th would not be my day. Uh, I would choose May 7th, and it's only because my birthday's the 4th, my wedding anniversary is the 7th, my husband's birthday's the 13th of May. So the 7th is like a nice day sandwiched right in there where we could celebrate and or have the Monday off in lieu <laughs> because that, um, yeah, that would that would be the one for me. I like that. That's a very person. That's personal. a very personal answer to that question. I like that. I do think we could follow uh, Newfoundland and Labrador's lead and make uh, March seventeenth, St. Patrick's Day, a stat holiday. I think that'd be nice, or maybe even uh, more so, make March eighteenth a stat holiday. That might be an even more effective strategy if we're really getting down to it. But Megan, you and I might be sharing a brain here, so I want to hear your answer before I react to it. Sure. Um, I'm just trying to think through this quickly. I think um, I think every month should have one. Yes. And not all months do. So it would be a, a thing of finding the months that don't and giving them one. Technically, people might argue that New Year's Day is a stat holiday, but nobody really, I don't think, thinks about that as being in January, even though it's January 1st. So like January 17th-ish, like around that time when everybody's quitting their New Year's resolutions and just being sad, just get a day off. Like. Oh, I, yeah, okay. Thing. I like that. Um. I think, because this, one of the things that messes me up every year is I can't remember what days are provincial and what days are federal, and it's different where you are. So, for mm -hmm. example, in the Yukon, they get Remembrance Day off, but, like, a lot of other places don't get Remembrance Day off. I'd be okay with everyone getting Remembrance Day off. Uh, same with um, Indigenous Peoples um, History Day. Okay with that. Um, but I think, personally, if I have to pick, I say you give people Good Friday off and... Nobody knows what Easter Monday is for. So, like, 
I don't think Easter Monday needs to be a holiday, but Good Friday, yes. So I always thought I always thought the Good Friday was the day that people generally got off. No, sometimes they don't. It's very confusing. I just want standard rules. Okay, so here's where I will meet you, Megan. I'm going to meet you in the middle and go a little bit further. Okay. I like I would like to see a couple other significant religious holidays like that reflect Canada's multiculturalism get recognized. Right. I yeah. think it would be nice if Eid got recognized. I think to a certain degree it would be nice to either get Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah mm -hmm. or Yom Kippur in the fall recognized as one of the major Jewish holidays. Yeah. Uh, Diwali as one of the major Hindu holidays. I, I think there's something to be said. A Lunar New Year in January, maybe that's where your January idea yeah. could, uh, could come into play. I, I think that would be really nice. But I also think we could double down on some existing holidays. So I want to take your Easter weekend idea and say, let's actually make that a four-day weekend every year let's do the full blown thing where everybody gets the friday and the monday now there's a lot of other celebrations that take place around easter across yeah. other cultures and religions so like it's not strictly saying that it's just easter but good friday Take the Monday. Now, the one thing where that gets complicated is a lot of stores will also run reduced hours on the Sunday as well. So we've got to, like, make sure that Saturday is not a reduced hours day. Like, we've got to make sure that Saturday is a full-bore uh, service day for people because if you're if you're taking away grocery stores or pharmacies for three or four days, right. that's, like, that's, like yep. too, that's, like, too many. <laughs> but they already run too many reduced hours on those days as it stands. So I, I agree with you. I'd like a little bit more of a standardized approach to Easter, but I do think generally making that a four-day weekend would be awesome okay yeah Dave, I'm not I, megan i have one i have one last thought i i'm so yeah. glad that you mentioned other major holidays um and and i think something that could be problematic is if we were to make super bowl monday a holiday before we acknowledge <laughs> that some workers don't get to take diwali off to yeah. properly observe dates that are important in their culture or their religion why can't we just give everyone like four or five weeks off during the year and you can pick and choose as a as yeah. an employee what days you are important oh. to you right is right. that not good yeah. for business as well? Then business can just be open all the time. You'll always have people working because you balance it out, you regulate it. But yeah. I don't I, know, maybe that's a utopian so, sort of idea that I have. So we addressed on, on that on the news panel a couple of weeks ago where the province of Manitoba, specifically the city of Winnipeg, is looking to offer a little bit more flexibility across that holidays. And that's just, like, that's to me, is just a great idea. But also I think what you're pitching is, let's just give people a little bit more paid time off period as a general policy. Mm -hmm. And we can really get somewhere as a society. Like, I will advocate for that through and through. Megan, your reaction to Jenny's idea? Yeah, I think it's a great idea, uh, especially in terms of, like, what are traditionally religious or cultural holidays. It's just, it's just helpful. The one thing that I can see that becoming a little difficult is actually when it comes to post-secondary schools planning their exam schedules. Fair point. Um, often. I always forget about those fall. students. Yeah, it, it will fall under, um, like, I think sometimes the Yom Kippur or the different Jewish holidays will be there. Um, Good Friday, like things like that. Um, Ramadan, Rosh, Rosh, Rosh Hashanah like, around Christmas. Yeah, yeah. it gets R Ramadan, really Ramadan because so, it moves on a it moves on a different calendar. It shifts yeah. throughout the year. Yeah, I could I could see there, there there's complications to the policy for sure. Yeah, but I still think it's a great idea, and I also think going back to my idea of like if you if you're a worker and you know that your call like all your staff is going to be watching the Super Bowl. Like, why not just say either come in at noon on Monday and work a half day or, like, we're all the office is taking that day off. Like, I know back in 2015 when the Toronto Blue Jays finally made it into the playoffs after that <laughs> tremendous drought, I was like, if I was a boss, I'd be making it mandatory that we all watch this game together. Like, <laughs> why are we doing work? It always beyond delights me when we when we get to revisit Megan Gilmore's baseball fandom because you don't always <laughs> openly wear it on your sleeve, but sometimes it pops out, and I absolutely love it. Hey, uh, Jenny, I'm going to apologize to you in advance. I think we're out of time to get to your other topic involving privacy and ethical concerns around DNA data, but we are talking to you, I think it's either next week or the week after for your regular Thursday segment. So why don't we why don't we put a hold on that and you and I can jump into that one in a couple weeks. Hey, no worries at all. This has been a great conversation. Totally worth it. Right on. So Jenny, thank you for that. And Megan, thank you as well. No problem. That's Jenny Bovard, the host of the Low Vision Moments podcast. And Megan Gilmore is the host of the Connecting Disability podcast. You can find both of those podcasts on the mighty AMI Audio Podcast Network on your favorite 
podcasting platform. Coming up next, Shani Saravanamuthu will share her experience planning a winter getaway in the sun. Oh, gosh, a little bit of jealousy of Shiny over there. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your Morning Business Minutes. Canada's main stock index was virtually unchanged yesterday. Toronto's TSX index crept just two points higher to 20,704. New York's Dow Jones average lost 156 points and the Nasdaq added 68. In Tokyo this morning, the Nikkei index fell 100 points and our dollar is trading overseas this morning at 74.64 cents U.S. Indigo Books and Music says customer credit and debit information was not compromised by that recent cybersecurity incident that has downed its online operations for almost a week now. The books and home goods retailer is using third-party experts to investigate and resolve the situation. For now, the company says it is accepting cash, debit, credit and gift cards in stores but is still unable to accept exchanges and returns. And Suncor Energy says it earned $2.74 billion in the fourth quarter of last year, a 76% increase from the same three months a year earlier. From the Canadian Press Business Desk, I'm Karen Rebo. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Canadian winters are tough. That's an understatement. It's cold, it's dark, there's snow. It might motivate you to get away and enjoy some sun, sand, and surf. Shiny Saravanamuthu is getting ready to do just that for her bachelorette party. Hey, good morning, Shiny. Good morning. How are you? Shiny, I'm good. I'm extremely jealous that you're getting away. (laughs) You're heading out tonight. Where are you going? I am headed to Miami. Oh, heck yeah. Why, why, why'd you, why do you and your bachelorette party uh, decide upon Miami? So I've never been to Miami, and I think maybe half of us haven't been there either. And it's one of like the closer destinations. Uh, a lot of the girls are moms, so something that's a short mm. flight, so like three-hour flight, three-and-a-half-hour-ish flight. So that was a deciding factor, and it's warm. And in my case, it's daytime a little longer there, so it's great for the RP-ness of myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah somewhere warm somewhere that you know you can get the beach the fun of the nightlife everything all at once and a good food scene so that's always important when traveling how long are you going for we leave tonight and we come back sunday okay so like oh yeah, yeah. miami is a little bit like las vegas there is a clock that starts running once you get there that says you need to get out of the city eventually yeah. okay I, I, i'm gonna pepper you with more questions here and i promise i'm not trying to stalk you i'm not trying to chase you and your friends down or trying to piggyback on your bachelorette party but are you staying in south beach or are you staying in miami proper so we are not staying in South Beach. We're way too many girls that it didn't work out. So we'll be staying in like the like the regular Miami downtown uh, design district kind of area. Oh, cool. That's still that's still really good. How long has it been since you've been able to get down to the beach? Ooh, um, since like January 2019. Iceland doesn't count because it was cold. No. So. <laughs> no, no, Iceland, Iceland definitely doesn't uh, count. Uh, Shiny, you mentioned that there's there's a certain element of Miami being a very tropical place that was the appeal. What is it about a beach that you find so appealing? I think it's like you mentally just know you you can relax when you're near the beach when you hear the waves hitting the shore and you like you know it just mentally i feel like you see the beach you feel like the salty air and you just you're just at ease at least that's how i am so even if i can't get in the water if it's too cold i just sitting there will make me feel better so mm. i'm looking for yeah, the, the sound of the ocean rolling in is just really lovely. However, Shiny, here's where things get a little bit tricky because I sense that you and the girls are probably trying to go to a couple nice restaurants while you're down there, maybe hitting a couple of the clubs. I don't know how much clubbing you're going to do, maybe a club or two, or at the very least, uh, a swanky, cool bar. But if you're also spending time on the beach, that means there's going to be a lot of sand in your life. How did you manage the packing situation on this one to offer yourself the versatility to both enjoy Miami in the day and Miami at night? So disclaimer, I have no idea what we're doing on this trip. Uh, All I know is going to Miami and 
that's it and where we're staying that's pretty much all i know because essentially getting kidnapped by my bridesmaids pretty much <laughs> so um i i was told how many day outfits to pack how many bathing suits to pack and how many nighttime outfits to pack so um i'm just hoping that my outfits are good uh, my sister kind of verified them so i think i'm good to go but in the daytime mostly we will be around the beach and up and about. And at nighttime, it's going to be most probably, I'm assuming, a nice restaurant and then a nice bar. So my outfits were planned accordingly to that assumption. Mm. So I guess I will touch base with you guys once I come back if I did a good job packing. Not knowing what I'm <laughs> Hey, I, I'm actually really excited to hear about it because I've only been to Miami the one time, but I had a delightful night uh, in Miami, in South Beach, uh, a couple of years ago, and by a couple of years ago, I mean almost a decade ago, when I was young and hip and vibrant. Um, it was amazing. I loved Miami. I would go back in a heartbeat for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. Shiny, you mentioned there's some mystery to this that maybe the yeah. planning or the programming was taken out of your hands. I'm no, I'm not meaning to imply anything about your friends here at all. But do you know if they took accessibility? Uh, they took accessibility into account at all in regards to how they planned this trip for you? 100% because my sister is maid of honor. And also they're these girls, I've been friends with them for more than like 10 plus years. So they have been along with me since day one of uh, my diagnosis. So they're very well aware. And luckily I do have nine uh, people who are essentially I'm able to hold on to and be my guide. And they're all very good at guiding me when there's a step or when I'm in darkness. So I'm not worried about that, to be honest. Um, so I'm not, I'm actually not anxious about that this okay, time around. Okay, good. Are, so, uh, uh, are, are you nervous about other things? Are you nervous they're going to make you do something or wear something embarrassing? We kind of had that discussion and we, I kind of said like nothing raunchy, nothing like, you know, so let's just hope. That's just, you know, I, I will report back to you guys because I feel like I, every time I'm someone's like, so what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mystery. It's a mystery. Yeah, when I plan to go on a vacation. I plan everything mm -hmm. down to because I'm very OCD like that. So, but my sister is like that too. And so are some of the girls coming. So I'm not worried. It's just like, you know, like the, the, just like, I'm just curious, that's all. Yeah, there's something about whether it's a bachelorette or a bachelor party, mm -hmm. ideally the people planning it for you are people that actually care deeply about you. Mm -hmm. So they know they know your limits and they also know what you're going to enjoy because they have known you for years. Yeah. And like maybe they're gonna needle you here and there. They're gonna, they're gonna pick on you for 30 minutes or for 45 minutes yeah. in some way, shape or form, exactly. but they're not actively going to try and torment you. Exactly. It's a part of the fun. Yeah. It's a part of it's what I get for getting married. So <laughs> this is your reward. Yeah, we, we we did make one of our friends dress up as a bumblebee to go to a hockey game in Boston a couple of years ago. But I mean, you know, that's but like but again, like that's not mean. We didn't make him wear like a full body leotard. We just had like a little some bee wings for him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, little things, little things. Well, Shiny, listen, safe travels. I hope you Thank have you a, so I, I hope you have a killer time. I can't wait to hear what you think about Miami as I uh, consider trying to get back down there at some point here in the uh, next little bit. But all the best to you. Safe travels, and uh, and we'll talk to you when you come back. Yes, of course. Thanks, guys. Bye. Have a good day. That is Shiny Saravanamuthu, columnist in Montreal. Coming up after the break, the travel conversation continues. Amy Amanti reflects on her visit to the Canadian Museum of Human Rights in Winnipeg, Manitoba. But first, OnePlus is dipping their toe into the tablet market. Mike Dubusky tells you more in Tech Trends. The 11.6-inch OnePlus Pad is the Chinese brand's first attempt at a tablet. And Android Authority's C. Scott Brown says they're taking a lot of inspiration from their smartphones. The tablet looks like a phone that's been blown up to gargantuan proportions. Even the camera module on the back of the tablet looks like the one that you see on some OnePlus phones. Unlike some other tablet makers, OnePlus decided to play with the camera's placement. Smack dab in the middle of a tablet, which OnePlus claims makes it easier to use as a photographer device, which is bizarre because who uses tablets for photography anyway? Whether you decide to use it or not, the camera is 13 megapixels. Android 13 comes standard, but Brown says there's still some blanks left to be filled in. What really matters is the software and the price, and it is yet to see if OnePlus can actually compete with anybody, let alone the iPad. April is when the pad goes on sale. With Tech Trends, I'm Mike Dubuffy, ABC News. 
back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. The Canadian Museum for Human Rights in Winnipeg has been a big ally of this show and this network. Last year, we did an Indigenous Day live broadcast from the museum. They were great partners on that front. I've done a number of stories from that museum about inclusive and accessible art displays and other exhibits. They are good folks. Well, community reporter Amy Amanti, who typically gives you a report about Vancouver, had an opportunity to visit the museum as well. And let's bring in Amy to share her experience. Hey, good morning, Amy. Good morning, Dave. Twice a week. I love these weeks. I love my double dips of Amy Amanti on uh, what we call week three in our schedule. Uh, Amy, I, I know why I've gone to the museum a couple of times. It's always been work-related. It's always been delightful. But why did you want to pay a visit to the museum? Well, I, I had an opportunity to do some work in Winnipeg, or I should, guess I should say on my way to Winnipeg. So an opportunity came up where uh, an organization that I was working with said, we need to test some accessibility stuff, so pick a place in Canada that you'd like to fly to, and we'll cover the hotel for two days and the, the cost of the flight. So I was like, scratching my head about where I would go in November um, across Canada. And while I would love to have flown to Halifax, I just felt like it was too far for a weekend. Um, so I was looking at places that were close by. Um, so I toyed around with the Yukon because I would really like to go to the mm. Yukon. And then I thought, you know what? I've never been to this um, Museum of Human Rights. And what an interesting opportunity to just go to Winnipeg for a weekend and check that out. So what did you check out when you visited the museum? Uh, well, uh, certainly there was a lot of snow there, so <laughs> <laughs> so getting there was a was a bit of a journey, um, especially you know for a Vancouver girl who typically typically I'll say we don't experience a lot of snow um, or frigid coldness. Uh, if, if that's a, that's obviously a thing there too. <laughs> um, so the things that we checked out were. Um, the first, upon my entry, what I, I had recognized right away was that this was not a museum of artifacts. And they make that really very clear to you. It's a museum of ideas, mm. uh, which is a, a totally, like, I'm used to going into museums and thinking, okay, it's a bunch of stuff behind glass. What am I going to see? So, yes, there is some stuff behind glass for sure. But these are not, again, super artifacty thing that things. They're asking you to think about concepts and ideas. So the visuals and the things are really just sort of supplementary to the ideas, which I actually found really very interesting. So we checked uh, out the uh, display on people with disabilities, which is a very small display. <laughs> so I had a good laugh with some of the docents there at the, uh, at the museum about the very small amount of, of disability history and had a really good chat with some of them about how they're trying to increase representation of the disability experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, typically what they'll end up doing is they have a very small permanent exhibit, but they try to bring in a lot of uh, more regular rotational exhibits. One of the reasons why I went back in 2016, might have been 2017, uh, around the time the museum opened, was for uh, a blind art exhibit, which, which platformed blind art artists, but also talked about the way museums could make art more inclusive and accessible for blind visitors. So there was sort of a, a double-edged sword on that one. I mean, uh, so I was just there in November, so just a handful of months. Um, but one of the, uh, I guess, the, the rotating exhibits was completely inaccessible to me because it was all on an entire floor of digital digital design um, and digital design like had been turned into digital design based on a bunch of drawings that I think some high school students had done and so they were kind of like on big screens and on rotation well I had no idea what was on the screen and no idea what sort of the the theme was of any of these uh, drawings slash paintings right um, so there was a whole floor that I that I couldn't access other than through conversation of the staff on the floor how was your accessibility experience otherwise I think for the most part, it was pretty good. They're, they have a couple of, I don't know if you uh, encountered uh, these uh, displays, Dave, but when I was there, uh, I, I, I actually uh, was asked to meet a, a docent on each floor. So somebody was expecting me on each floor to take me kind of through a really one-on-one -on -one personal tour, which was really lovely. Um, but we came across these displays that are kind of like large televisions, kind of like the mall displays uh, that are floored to like, you know, I don't know, half the size of a human taller than you are, right? Uh, and like big screens. And you actually, instead of pushing buttons or saying stuff, have to use your hand to guide a cursor to click a button. 
um, which there's no way I could do that um, because I can't find, you know, to line up my hand. And even the the staff person, the docent on that floor couldn't do it. And so we had a really, really good laugh about accessibility and, and she didn't identify with disability at all. So we had a really good laugh at some of those things. And then other things were really, really great. Uh, but there's a lot of like digital touch stuff that, um, that you kind of need somebody to walk you through because they don't have an audio component to them. Mm. See, I was given free reign and I think things maybe have yeah. changed a little bit since I got there because when I got there, there was a lot of just easy to use audio stuff and beacons that, that was meant to make the experience very inclusive and accessible. So I wonder if uh, if maybe a couple uh, oversights were uh, were missed here along the way as the museum has been uh, dealing with some other stuff, which is uh, kind of a bummer to hear. Kind of a bummer. I'm going to be yeah, honest I with mean you, Amy, kind of a bummer to hear. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I was thinking a little bit of the same thing. Like the people were fantastic. And, and a thing about accessibility is, yes, we can do all that we can do to make it accessible. There's still going to be things that we forget or people that we miss, right? That's the the that's human nature. We can't account for every possible thing. We do our best to account for the ones we know. Uh, but the human to human connection is also a really important part of accessibility, right? If folks know how to speak to you with dignity and be able to have a conversation about your access needs and support you in a place where, you know, maybe you can't access say a, a, a virtual terminal of some kind. That's that 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 feels so good to me that somebody uh, sees me and sees that there's maybe a gap in accessibility and helps walk me through that. That means a whole bunch. And mm -hmm. otherwise, you're just sort of floating in space, going, "Well, that's nice. What do I do next?" Right. Well, Amy, you're going to take that experience and give that to people through a vocali mm -hmm. almost live exp uh, li almost live experience. How is that going to manifest for audiences? Yeah, so uh, I'm going to be doing uh, kind of like a virtual tour. So I will take, I took a lot of photos and we're hoping to get somebody from the museum to come on as a special guest to speak to these exhibits. But I think to talk about, and what, sorry, Dave, just to backtrack a bit, when we do these on Vocali live events, um, we're talking about not uh, we're not talking about sharing the entire museum experience right because we would be there for hours yes yes but like picking some highlights from the experience so maybe there's six or seven exhibits uh, or photos of exhibits that i want to just sort of go a little bit deeper into so for me um a lot of them around the disability experience and actually the the exhibits that are around sort of the first world war uh the canadian the canadian troops in the first world war uh, but there's a, a an interesting exhibit on disability where they ask have asked people to contribute um just like random objects and talk about how they're related to disability that exhibit is pretty accessible uh, but it's one exhibit right um the the red dress exhibit on the missing and murdered indigenous women's women and girls was i found quite impactful for me mm. um and then the uh the how people with disabilities were treated during the Holocaust um, was also uh, something that I knew a little bit about, but then once I got there and had somebody talk me through it, I was like, "Oh, doodle! Like this, this, this started way before the Holocaust and continued through the Holocaust." So, some important acknowledgments I think around the disability experience that we don't talk about enough as a community because we don't often look at disability as as a culture. Mm -hmm. And I'm really thinking that that sort of needs to change a little bit. Uh, in terms of somebody who might be going to Winnipeg and thinking about visiting the museum, what advice would you give to people who plan a visit? I would say um, have some food before you go. <laughs> because it's a big building they have a tiny tiny little cafeteria but when we went there they didn't have anything on service and by cafeteria i mean like you know a couple of muffins and a few pastries yeah, right yeah but, and, there, and there's also not a lot of food necessarily like immediately walking distance right. from the museum there is a little shop like there's a little mall that has a really cool food court but it's still about a 10-ish to 15 minute walk from the museum yeah, yeah, and and in the, that snow, I wasn't walking anywhere. I was I was taking the good old ride share, ride hail, right, right, local system in 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 Winnipeg. Um, so yeah, make sure you make sure you have yourself a meal because when you go there. Um, you're going to spend a considerable amount of hours there. I mean, I think we were there for five or six hours. Yeah, yeah. What, um, Amy, but if you're going to go, when, you go. Amy, when I was given free reign after we shot a couple stories, I probably spent about three and a half or four hours. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm not typically a museum person. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that I love about museums is, because uh, I'm not... 
I don't want to say I'm not a museum person. I just, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to wander truly um, because I just don't know what I'm looking at or where I'm going or like what the highlights are in this building, right? Because it's all new to me. So if I go to the Louvre in Paris or if I go anywhere, I try and see if there's some kind of guided tour. Now they do have guided tours at this museum, but you have to book them in advance, especially the accessible tours. And I didn't know that. So when I showed up, there was no tour happening, which is why, again, they said, okay, we'll just have somebody from each floor meet you at the elevator and then you can walk through the museum with this person and so my questions were a lot about like what are your favorite exhibits here and what are the things you think i need to know about this floor and, mm -hmm. and what's happening mm -hmm. on this floor and so having that sort of targeted approach as opposed to like amy wandering around and being like okay did i miss anything about this or maybe i missed something and i that i should have really uh you know witnessed but i didn't know was there right so that that was really really helpful for me the website on this one, very easy, humanrights.ca. Humanrights.ca is the website to learn more about the museum. Hey, Amy, thank you for this. All the best to you, and we'll talk to you again uh, next week or the week after. You gotcha. I'll be around. Right on. That's Amy Manti, community reporter in Vancouver, British Columbia, today giving you a report out of Winnipeg. I like that, showing off our geographical reach on Now with Dave Brown. <laughs> As we wrap up the hour, here are a couple of news stories. Both of these coming from the climate and environment file. Rescue efforts continue across New Zealand after Cyclone Gabrielle. Charles de Ledesma has the latest. Cyclone Gabrielle had struck the country's north on Monday and has brought more destruction to this nation of 5 million than any other weather event in decades. Police said over 1,000 people have been reported uncontactable in the North Island by Wednesday afternoon. The large number could, though, be mostly explained by widespread disruptions to telecommunications and power. Emergency Management Minister Kieran McAnulty says more than 300 people have been rescued on Tuesday, helicopters making at least 20 five rescues of individuals and family groups on Wednesday. A McConnellty says teams are still carrying out rescues and land searches in a number of places. I'm Charles de la Tesma. And United Nations Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez is warning that rising global sea levels are endangering nearly 900 million people living in low coastal areas. Gutierrez listed some of the major cities under threat. Mega cities on every continent will face serious impacts, including Cairo, Lagos, Maputo, Bangkok, Dhaka, Jakarta, Mumbai, Shanghai, Copenhagen, London, Los Angeles, New York, Buenos Aires, and Santiago. Gutierrez addressed the Security Council's first ever meeting on the threat to international peace and security from rising sea levels. Just a reminder, anytime you hear something on the show that ruffles your feathers in a positive or negative way, we encourage you to share your feedback. Lots of ways for you to do it. Find the show and the network on social media, Facebook and Instagram. It's at Accessible Media Inc. That's at Accessible Media Inc. on Facebook and Instagram. On Twitter and TikTok, it's at Accessible Media. You can also send emails, feedback at ami.ca, feedback at ami.ca, or leave a voicemail, 1-866-509-4545. That's 1-866-509-4545. If you do leave a voicemail, please give us permission to play it on the air. And that's exactly what we'll do. Coming up after the break, it's the regional news update and a sports chat. This is now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.